KXNO. Live from the Wild Rose Casino and Resort Jefferson Studios, you'd rather be here. This is 1460 KXNO. Now, today's biggest stories from the BMW of Des Moines Sports Desk. This is an X's and O's update on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And I'm Trent Condon. Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Finals in the books. The Blues jumped out to a 2-0 lead, but the homestanding Bruins came roaring back. Chari and then Corrali wants to play the point. Chara flips one, there's shrug down off of Bennington, Stratford there, Stacey Brett The call from NBC as the Bruins hold on for a 4-2 win and take a 1-0 series lead. To Major League Baseball, the Cubs in Houston, Garrett Cole outstanding for the Astros. 1-2 count here though, and he goes down. Cole strikes out Rizzo, give him 11 strikeouts, two away in the sixth. Strikes out the side. Garrett Cole punching tickets today. He's got a dozen. The call from the Astros TV network, a 6-5 victory for Houston over the Cubs. Game two coming up tonight. In Minnesota, the Twins bring a six-game winning streak on the line, but a comeback from the Brewers. Here's a 1-0, and Arcia drive into left field. This one is way back and gone. And the Brew Crew has taken the lead at Target Field. RCS six home run of the year. The call from Brian Anderson of Fox Sports Wisconsin. The Brewers now a half game behind the Cubs in the National League Central. Coming up tonight, Cardinals back in action. You can hear the game right here on 1460 KXNO. 6.05 with the first pitch. Adam Wainwright on the bump for the Cardinals. Sports Radio in Iowa starts and ends right here. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Did you see the picture? And I didn't know this. Um, Steph Curry spent some time in Canada. His dad played there in, uh, in with, for the Raptors okay. franchise. Yeah, makes sense. And there was a time, and Curry, I want to say probably junior high, Steph Curry, age and he was on a team <laughs> in Toronto in junior high yeah pretty good you think <laughs> oh it cracks me up i uh, just watching it because uh, they, they posted the uh, the team picture yeah yeah you know of, of stuff i just have uh, he wasn't real physically imposing no, i'm sure no back no then. no but filled it up every time every chance he got i'm assuming and we bring that up because pretty much all those guys probably did in junior high though yeah, but in Canada, even more yeah. so, I would think. I mean, look, at Canadian basketball, I can't believe we're going down this path. <laughs> I'm sorry I even started this down this path. Let's get the show back on track while okay. we can. So it's silly season. Let me throw this one out. We kind of touched on this a little bit at the end of the first hour. So if, indeed, they take the wrecking ball to Carver Hawkeye, yes, and they're yes. going to rebuild in the same site, same spot. Same spot. Would you be okay with that? No. no. You want to move it. Yeah. It's just it's Again, a they're not spot. building any they're not making any more land. They're not, no. But you can tear stuff down and build back up. Would that be easier? Would you would you would you tear Carver Hawkeye down then if you built a new arena? Would you is Could there you repurpose it? That's my question. Could you it's repurpose so it? Big. It's massive. And a big hole in the ground, That's you know, could you make it, it into a four thousand seat concert slash volleyball slash wrestling venue now that's another component you got the wrestling which mm-hmm. i mean the environment's good for that but doc's right could you repurpose it could you take out a middle section make a concourse there 
and make it a 12 or 11, 12,000 seat bed. Wouldn't it just be cheaper to build a whole Well, and that's, that's, I think, what you get into mm-hmm. because of the way that it's built and being built into the ground, taking out a middle level and then finding a way to make two different concourses and two levels. Seemingly it's impossible, right? Yeah, I, it, it is. Um, I would think. So what do you do? So if you, if you, if you do knock it down, where where where's where where are they where's the wrestling going to happen? Where are the Hawks uh, women and men going to play their home? Because it's not it's not like they could you know the end of the basketball season comes it's March and they're working on it. it's going to be ready for November. That's right. not going to happen. No, not at all. I mean, a new building takes a couple of years. We saw the Bears leave Soldier Field, played in Illinois, played down in, in Illinois. We saw the uh, Gophers leave the Metrodome before mm-hmm. TCF was built. Uh, Bears played in Champaign. Didn't work real well. Didn't work. No. No. The Vikings played at um, at TCF. Which was fine. Yep. Outdoors, though, in December. Well, they used to play there. Tough they enough. did, yeah. Um, where did they play? I think the easiest. Now, remember years ago. I think, yeah, you were here at the time. When Iowa played the NIT, Dr. Tom era, mm-hmm. and they made a little bit of a roll, I think, run to the quarterfinals. And they had a really good crowd? Yeah. At the NIT? No, well, no. Because Carver was being used, I want to say, for either NCAA wrestling or women's basketball. Okay, I don't remember. So help me So out. they couldn't play the NIT. It was 95. I was here, but yeah. They had to go over, and they played in the Mark, in the Quad Cities. Good Is that the home of the Mallards? Maybe. The you Mark, right? M-A-R-K? Yep. Yeah, that's the home of the... I think that's where the Quad City Mallards play. CBA team played there. I think they uh-huh. were the Quad City Silver Bullets. And how many people does it seat? That was about 10 to 12. I've been there for a concert before years ago, mm-hmm. back my freshman year of college. So, yeah, And, and how far ago. from campus to that building? Hour 15. So why don't why don't come west? Come west to Wells right Fargo? Right okay. I mean, I'm not saying every game. But some of them? Why not? I mean, where's the biggest fan base? Population-wise, second biggest mate. No, I still think it's here. Well, the Iowa City Cedar Rapids corridor is huge, is massive. I get that. And 90%. It's 90% right here. It's 50. Well, and it's probably 50. not even 50, 45, 45, Maybe. and 10% mm-hmm. other in, in terms of college uh, support. Yeah. Could you build a brand by coming here? I, th- I think it would help. Not, not every game. Not every game. You don't want to ship them two hours every game. No. But... I mean, the students have shown they really don't care anyway. Right. It's not like there's great student sections when we had the Big Four Classic. Right. That you had people bouncing up and down there. So a couple games here, a couple games in Cedar Rapids, a couple games in Quad Cities. I think that would make the most sense. And, and this all started, we, we asked Scott Dockerman about it because he was asked a question in his mailbag at The Athletic. Now that the now that Kinnick seemingly, they've spent all the money that are, are they're coming to the end uh, of the uh, renovations over there. What's next was the question. That's got to be the answer is Carver-Hawkeye. I, but is it? Because we just talked about it. I mean, the logistics of a lot of the changes just aren't realistic. Unless you're talking about capital improvements of 70 to $100 million. Mm-hmm. What we're talking about here, either renovation of Carver. Just, just knock it down and build it down. I mean, Pollard's about to spend a whole bunch of money on Hilton starting. Right. I think, what did I read? I read the piece last week. Dylan will fill this in But more. that's a great building. It is a great building, but it's getting old. It is, yeah, and you got to keep updating uh-huh. it. But uh-huh. the bones are there, right? And the, the concourse st- is in the right place, in yes. the middle of the upper deck and yes. the lower. The structure is there. Mm-hmm. That's not the case with Carver Hawk. Not knock it down. I mean, if, if there's ever, if there's ever a time to do it, the time is now. Though, I mean, you have to do it with the money that we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. The TV money that continues to filter in. You don't know ten years down the line if that's going to be possible. If 
the logistics and the, mon- the money works, do it now. Trent, it's good. There's going to come a time that it's going to have to get done. I mean, that's, that's not, that's going not going to be there forever. No, it's not. And why wait? I'm with you. I'm with you. Just logistically, how do you make this work? Where do you do it? You have to bring some of the games here. You really do. Look at what, look at what Iowa State has done. Is they've, I mean, they haven't reclaimed the state by any means. That's never going to happen. Uh, but they've, Certainly, reclaim Central Iowa. They they certainly have since in the twenty three years that I've been doing this. It's not even. I mean, it was hard. It was all Hawks. Yeah, it was That's all Hawks. What mattered at uh-huh. that time? It was it was Iowa basketball and football. And yep, Iowa State. Even though they had good teams, and good basketball, good basketball mm-hmm. teams. But even those Johnny Orr teams, none of them were fighting for first place in the Big Twelve in February. It was fighting to be an NCAA tournament team. They had some nice teams, mm-hmm. but it never... Some good players. Yeah, never the level, though, that we've seen, certainly, that you Stacey got them to, mm-hmm. that we've seen Hoiberg get them to, and, and Prohm with the Sweet 16 team. They weren't quite there. They're good, but remember the road woes of Johnny Orr's teams? They were substantial. Mm-hmm. It was unbeatable at Hilton, and can they steal a game or two on the road and be mm-hmm. in tournament team? That's been different. Well, this uh, again, this all goes back to Scott Dockerman, the question we asked him, and um, what's going to be next? Where are they going to allocate their dollars? Baseball. Baseball stadium, that will be, basically the whole grandstand is going to be torn down. Okay. And they're going to put suites in. And But does that move the needle? Are they, are they can it, is there room for growth there? Yes. Yeah. Significant? You, to you, offset the cost of, of, of building that new facility? I well, mean, it's... But that's everything. I mean, they put in a new boathouse. Did that? Does rowing suddenly move the needle before that? Look, you can't just put rowing. all the money into football and basketball. You just well, that's where you make all the money. It is. But that's the reality of college. Carver's athletics. not going to. Carver's going to need a uh, fresh coat of paint sooner rather than later. In my opinion, I don't Tear know why you wait. I with you. I'm with you. Tear it down's the simplest solution. Now it's the most expensive solution mm-hmm. too. But that's the way to and then do it. What? Right, we'll take a time out. I'm looking forward to this next piece. Jerry Crawford is um, hes a friend of mine, full disclosure. And uh, I'm, he's going to reminisce about Nick Nurse. You know, Nick Nurse spent a significant portion of his career. Well, he's been a lot of places. Uh, but uh, one of those stops was in downtown Des Moines with the Iowa Energy. How did that come about? It's a fascinating story. Jerry Crawford is going to tell it with Trent and I when we come back. Then Dylan Monts on Iowa State at about 11.35. I kind of miss the golf sounder, Trent, when we go to break. Yeah, we don't have it. That's, it's over. The contest is over. I'm sure we'll have another contest I soon. hope so. We had a few winners in the building, but yeah. we, I think everybody hoped that we would... Find one more before it ended last Friday, and I don't think we were able to push. Through. No, haven't heard anything. Haven't heard anything. It so was I'm a long ass- weekend, though. Holiday weekend, mm-hmm. maybe. Uh, by the way, did you ha- did you correct claxons yet? I haven't. I haven't. I got took to a it. good look at it. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm wondering how long it would have. Um, um, I mean, what what is it going to take to knock down the BBQ for this week? So the um, the questions that we asked were. Uh, do you remember them? Yeah, Blues-Bruins, uh, so, game one. Game one, that went to the Bruins. Even was the race car. I know that. It was even, the, okay. Did you watch any of the race? Just a little bit. I not, did. Not nearly as much as I wanted to. Well, I didn't watch. I watched much, as much as I wanted wanted to, which wasn't a lot. Yeah. But I watched when it counted. Phillies beat them, uh, uh, took two out of three from the Brewers. Okay. Toronto-Milwaukee. Uh, Toronto covered. Yeah. Toronto was two and a half. 
And then I don't. I know the Barnstormers won. I don't remember the uh, how many points they scored. Well, I will work on that. I'll have it to you by the end of the show. Okay, good deal. We'll have to uh, talk to Jerry Crawford next. It's Miller and Condon. We're on Des Moines Sports Station, fourteen sixty. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back. As promised, time to spend some time with a good friend, Jerry Crawford, who, of course, was the behind the Iowa Energy back in its inception. Uh, and now still, of course, uh, a prominent figure here in the central Iowa area. And he joins us as we reminisce a little bit about a guy from Carroll, Iowa, who just happens to be coaching uh, the team representing the Eastern Conference in the NBA final. That's hard to get uh, my arms around that, Jerry. Good to talk to you, as always. <laughs> and, uh, you know, a guy from Carroll, Iowa, is coaching in an NBA final. That's amazing. It is. It's extraordinary on one hand, um, but... Not surprising on the other, given Nick's talents and drive and focus on doing exactly what he's doing. Um, so uh, I know the whole state of Iowa is happy for him. Carol, forget about Carol. I mean, <laughs> they, they're over the moon. And uh, uh, I'm sure there, there are any number of them standing outside uh, the Raptors Arena up in Toronto uh, during some of these games. Indeed. It's a fascinating story. So I want to go back to, you know, how we got here. We know him. We remember him at you and I, but, and, and a vagabond. I mean, if you've got a team, he was willing to go anywhere and coach it. And he literally did that, uh, uh, moving all over the world to, uh, to follow his passion. So he gets to Des Moines and the story goes, Jerry. That he's driving down 235 and he, he knows about this new league, uh, the, the D league that's, that, that is being formed. And he drives by Wells Fargo Arena and he sees the new building down there. And all of a sudden the light bulb goes off that, you know, why wouldn't a team work in, in Des Moines, Iowa? So he pulls off the exit. He, he drives in. I don't know who he spoke to, but eventually whoever he spoke to would get you on the phone. Take us back to that time. Well, it, 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 there were actually two trains running down different tracks. Um, one was Nick wanted to come home. He wanted to uh, coach in the United States, uh, and he had his eye longer term on the NBA. This would have been in late 2005, early 2006. Um, and at the same time, Linda and I were spending part of our winters down in Scottsdale, and I'd gone to a dinner uh, with uh, – the then Governor Janet Napolitano, and one of her dinner guests was David Stern, then the commissioner, and he was talking about <clears throat> the D-League and how committed he was to it um, and how he was going to make sure that it that it would work. I knew almost, I, I'm not sure I'd heard of it when he said those mm. things. Um, I come back to Des Moines, I get a call from Nick, uh, who's just off the phone, I believe it was with Orv Salmon, uh, who Nick knew well and who's also a former basketball coach at Drake and at DMAC and other places. Um, and Orv, Orv said, uh, uh, get Jerry on the phone. And so they came down. We had a conversation. 
Uh, and then I don't think enough people know this next piece of the story, but I said to Nick, this is going to you know, cost some dough uh, to, get, uh, to buy a franchise and to get it up and running. We're going to need to have some investors. And Nick said, I, I wouldn't know who to talk to. And I said, well, we're gonna, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to get in the car and we're going to go see Gary Kirk. Mm. And we went to see Gary, and uh, when we finished our pitch, Gary said, sounds to me like this is uh, good for the city of Des Moines. I don't know if we'll ever make a nickel, but let's do it. <laughs> and, um, and by God, we did make a nickel. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was a double good thing, but we then had um, some additional investors. I'm not going to go through the list because I'll forget somebody and then I'll be in trouble. Uh, but we kicked off the energy in 2007. 2011. Uh, and by the way, Nate Bjorkren was an assistant. Mm-hmm. He's now sitting at Nick's side on the Toronto Raptors bench as an assistant. Uh, 2011, we won the league championship. Nick had kind of done what he could do here. There was the famous hour he spent uh, working for <laughs> Iowa State, and um, then he went down to coach uh, the um, Rio Vipers. Grande Valley. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and won a championship there as well. And by then, he had people's attention. Folks don't realize it's harder to win in the then D League, now G League. It's it's harder to be a head coach there than it is in the NBA. Um, and it's really tough training. And so when he had won two championships, uh, he got the call uh, to go be an assistant in Toronto. And uh, five years later, here we are. Mm. So just real quick, I know Trent wants to jump in. Did you know Nick? Uh, did you know him well when when uh, he and Orv reached out to you at that point, or did you know of him? I did know him. Um, when he was 23 years old, he became, it's pretty remarkable too, 23, became the head coach of Grandview College's basketball team. And I met him somehow at that time, uh, thought he had all the promise in the world. We stayed in touch uh, while he was in Europe, and, and he'd I think he was overseas 10 or 11 years, and and uh, so I knew him when he came back and when he made the call that day. Jerry, good to talk to you again. You know, uh, I got to know Nick a little bit during that time period and did a few of those energy games on radio, and everybody has dreams. Everybody has dreams to become the best in his profession. I remember him saying his dream was to be an NBA head coach, and I'm going to be honest, kind of, oh, that's a great dream, but this is a guy that was in England for 10 years coaching basketball, it didn't seem, at least to me, a layman in basketball terms, something that was possible. Did you believe this was possible, that this guy could get that shot at the NBA level? And what was it about him, if it was true? Yeah, oh, I absolutely believed um, that that it could happen. I got a little nervous this year for the first time this past year because there were six vacancies in the NBA, uh, and and five of them got filled before Nick got hired by the Raptors, and I was getting a little little shaky uh, at that point. But, of course, it came through. Um, listen, here's something not everybody knows about Nick Nurse. He is crazy smart, and he's even-keeled. In fact, I think there's a great story about you know the demeanor of Nick Nurse side by side with the demeanor of Kawhi Leonard. Um, those are two cool customers mm. right there, mm. and they and they kind of feed off each other, and it really uh, I think helps the team. But crazy smart, incredible focus. He when he came to see me the first time, he had a notebook, 
and and he showed me his notebook, which had several hundred out of bounds plays in it. <laughs> and if you go back and look at the statistics in the D League, and if you look at the statistics this year in the NBA, he's off the charts in terms of scoring off dead balls. Um, you know, those things aren't accidental. Um, those things are are the purest measure of coaching. You know, in, in the NCAA, you look always for teams that are going to have that little bit of an edge in what are otherwise evenly matched games because of the coach's capacity to score off a dead ball. So uh, I can't say that I was surprised. I knew he had all the tickets, um, and and he was determined to do it. Uh, Jerry Crawford is our guest, a former energy, uh, Des Moines, Iowa energy uh, owner, part of the ownership group. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. So the energy are, are, are born, and, and there's four of them, according to the articles that I read. Four full-time employees, of course, Chris, Chris Mackers, former Drake quarterback, now an executive with the uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, and he was your general manager for a long time when he was here. If you're in a, a minor league affiliate, if you will, uh, um, you're going to have to wear a lot of hats. So not only was Nick Nurse the coach, but apparently he was doing a lot of, a lot of other things, going around the community, trying to get people excited about professional basketball Basketball in Des Moines, and he was willing to do those things to make this thing succeed, wasn't he? He oh, absolutely. He he was uh, he was on the spot no matter what, whether it was selling season tickets or speaking at a breakfast club. <clears throat> he was a, an absolute ambassador for the concept. And you know, I mentioned Carol earlier. We had an incredible amount of fan, our fan base came from Carol would come over uh for our games and including Nick's parents and I know that that meant a lot to Nick um to, to have that kind of hometown support to say nothing of his family Jerry Crawford joining us Jerry you know you, you go through and you look at Nick Nurse the mo- one of the most famous and become him becoming a, a national celebrity is what's happening with Drake on the sidelines did you ever rub Nick's shoulders in the middle of a game? <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> no, but I I didn't have the bling for it. Okay. Um, so uh, I I thought that was I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I'm waiting to see uh, I, I'm waiting to see Drake uh, with the black double in hat. Yeah, That's, yeah, that'll be the completion of the full circle, right? Yeah. No. Uh, by the way, why don't why don't why haven't we gotten any of those hats yet? That's we what I want to know. talked about that on the air last mm-hmm. week, and I believe that that is uh, that the, that is moving forward as we speak. So um, I think they look great. They really and Jared, this just goes to where I saw it for the first time is I've been. I'm I'm into this Nick Nurse story, and I'm watching press conferences on the NBA Network on DirecTV. I think it's like two seventeen or two eighteen, whatever it is. Uh, Nick is so polished in front of the media. I remember him doing stuff when you know, when I was here the first time when I was sitting doing afternoon drive, and we would have Nick on. He was really good then, but boy, he's got a command of that press conference, Jerry. He does, and and he does it the same way he coaches. He's very calm, yeah, very matter of fact. Uh, very authentic. Um, you know, it's kind of what we look for in politics, and he s- certainly presents it. Um, you know, and he, it's it's so focused. His his everything he does and everything he says is so focused on shining a, a positive light on his players as opposed to himself. Um, he, he even got irritated that the press wanted to cover the story. Uh, I don't know if you guys have talked about it. His, his new son, who was born yeah. six days ago, right. Rocky. Uh, yeah. Do you know the backstory on the name? No. I do not. 
<clears throat> yeah, so Nick says, well, Crofts, um, we had a, Roberta and I had a long uh, weekend to ourselves last summer. We went to the Western uh, Rockies in, um, in Canada. Stuff happens, and now i got to decide. Do I name the kid Rocky or do I name, name the kid Banff? <laughs> That's something. Banff's so, a beautiful area. It really, yeah. truly is. It, it, it's pretty spectacular, yeah. You know, one thing we haven't touched on is Nick as a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I think that the I, I'm sure he still holds the record. He had, I'm going to say it was 23 players called up to the NBA mm. uh, while he was the energy coach. Um, if, if you stop and think about that, um, that, that's pretty extraordinary. And it tells you that he's able to help them find their own next level. Uh, and players want to play for a coach who can help them do that. Now, of course, in his current assignment, they're at the ultimate level, but they they all seem to be getting better at the right time this year. Um, their defensive intensity has just been extraordinary, and it will need to be when they try and deal with Steph Curry. Final thing for you, speaking of Steph Curry, the final hurdle for Nick Nurse and bringing a national, uh, NBA championship uh, here to Iowa. And I'm sure we'd get to see the trophy, but that aside... This Golden State team, historically good. Even without Kevin Durant, we know how good they are. They're playing at a a completely different level. What do you think this Toronto team, what can they do? Is it possible for them to upend the Warriors? I think it's absolutely possible. You know, they they played the Warriors twice this year. They won both games. One of those games, uh, I want to fact-check myself, but I'm going to say Durant had just over 50 points. Hmm. One of the games, Toronto won. Uh, And now... You know, Durant is iffy. Um, uh, I, I think that Toronto presents a you know a little more of a team and a little less of an individual focus. Um, Steph's averaged over 35 in the playoffs. Kawhi just over 25. But I would argue that uh, the Raptors have had the better supporting cast. I was really surprised when I saw the initial odds come out on series winner, and it's kind of strange because. Um, you know, the initial line that came out was uh, Golden State by one over the Raptors in game one. And now I think it's Toronto by one or one and a half. So mm-hmm. clearly the public sees it so far a little differently. Hey, since you, since you brought up the gambling aspect, Jerry, how about uh, legalized, <laughs> okay, sports? <right? laughs> uh, legalized sports wagering coming to our fine state of Iowa? How about that? Yeah, it's not something I thought I thought we'd see quite this yeah. soon. Um but I I think it's a good thing. It, you know, it's very very recreational for a lot of people. Um if done right, the state might make a few dollars off it. Um so I I I think it's good. Yeah, I do too. Last thing for you. You were at Churchill Downs on the first Saturday in May when they disqualified the winner. What was it like? <laughs> Uh, well, you know, as a, as a person who's been fortunate enough to ha- have horses win some of the biggest grade ones in the nation, I've never been asked mm. <laughs> as often about a race, yeah. race in my life. I just thought it was the worst possible mm-hmm. decision. You put 20 horses on a racetrack in slippery, sloppy conditions where there's a lot of skidding and moving around, and you watch that race in slow motion. You cannot defend 
that decision, in my opinion. And I know I've got good friends who disagree with me. And, and I'm one of them. <laughs> but, but, yeah. You know, just, just um, would you have liked to win the Derby by a DQ? I mean, you've tried to win this thing. You're still trying one day, hopefully, you know, it'll either be you or all Bob and I when we'll win it. Would you like to be, you know, to kind of back your way into a Derby crown? I'm, I'm assuming you clearly tainted, right? That's not how you want to win Cl- it. Clearly tainted. My My biggest concern isn't, Backing into a derby, it's what happened this year. Winning one and being taken down. Uh, you know, before my fatal heart attack, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure what I would do, but I know it wouldn't be pretty. I, it's just awful. Um, Gary West is not horse racing's single most popular owner, but I, boy, I don't think he, I don't think he deserved this. I mean, of all the Kentucky Derbies, this is the worst. This is the worst infraction we've ever had because that's the case you have to make. Mm-hmm. Fair right? point, yeah, because it's the only one that's been uh, taken down. Jerry, we're yeah. out of time. Listen, uh, I, I'm really great to catch up with you. Uh, really uh, some fine insight onto Nick Nurse, who is an Iowan coaching and a former Cyclone assistant coach. We should throw that Four in there hour. as you briefly did, indeed. <laughs> great to catch Thanks, up with you, guys. Jerry. Great Thank to you. Be with you. Thanks, Jerry. Okay, good to be bye-bye. with you. Jerry Crawford uh, joining us as uh, we go down memory lane uh, with uh, this fa- fascinating story. Driving down. 235 sees the building <laughs> gets on the phone and uh, a couple of phone calls later and uh, as jerry said there were you know two different trains going down two different tracks but it seemed like it was going to happen and maybe that sped up the process we will take a time out trent and i have another segment to go dylan Montz, we talked to hawks in the first hour of the program let's do iowa state shall we dylan Montz is next it's miller and condon we're on des moines sports station 1460 This is Iowa State Athletics Director Jamie Pollard, and you're listening to Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Con to Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Let's get right to Dylan Montz. Went a little long there with Jerry Crawford, but a good good piece uh, with Jerry. Uh, Of course, Dylan, you can read him at amestrib.com, amestrib.com. He covers Iowa State for the Ames Tribune. He's with us, Dylan Trenton. Ken, how are you? Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. How about you guys? Doing pretty well. You know, uh, big week recruiting-wise. I'm going to pay more attention to football right now. With uh, We know Petway's going to be there. The transfer from Arkansas, grad transfer. He's got one year. Uh, he was their leading receiver, as we know. We've chronicled that. But a kid by the name of Darren Wilson, a Juco, who certainly built to play this position, 6'3", 200-pound wide receiver. But he'll have more than just a year. He's a Juco transfer. That He's going to play in the Big 12. It sounds like it's West Virginia or Iowa State, and everybody's going to find out by the middle of this week. What are you hearing on Darren Wilson? He'd be a great pickup at this time of year. Yeah, absolutely. He plays at Butler Community College, and uh, like you mentioned, his eligibility and what he has left free to free to play free is, is just, um, you know, it kind of offsets maybe what you lose in a guy like Josh Johnson and starts to replenish your, your depth a little bit, but having a guy that has had a little bit of experience at the collegiate level, um, albeit at JUCO, um, it just kind of, again, continues to shore up a little bit of what you did with um, Michael Petway, where he comes in uh, being the leading receiver on an Arkansas team last year. Um, that wasn't very good, but he was the guy that was looked at the most. So having him 
Um, potentially Wilson uh, is, is, is big because then you can go with Deshante Jones, Tariq Milton, and then have those younger guys in the wings like uh, like a Joe Skates or a Sean Shaw that you feel good about but want to maybe ease in a little bit more. Yeah, they're going to use the tight ends, at least we assume that uh, with the talent that they have there that the tight end is going to become way more prominent. So I guess I don't understand, and I don't know where the kid's from. West Virginia, they lose Holgerson. They lose their quarterback to the NFL. Iowa State keeps their head coach. They keep their quarterback. I think that the you know the prospects of a uh, of a better season clearly Ames is is, is going to be better in football than you would think that's going to happen in Morgantown this year. I mean, I don't know why Darren Wilson, unless there's a relationship there that I don't know about, and there may well be, wouldn't come to Iowa State, Dylan. Yeah, I don't know enough of um, yeah, you know his, his recruiting path and, and kind of who he's been in contact with to know if he has some sort of connection in West Virginia, but. Their sales pitch is probably, um, you know, playing time, and that would be Iowa State's as well. But you look and you have Deshante Jones and Tariq Milne, and then adding one Michael Petway, maybe, um, you know, people can say, oh, they're, they're starting to load up. There maybe aren't as many opportunities. But, um, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. And Iowa State's gone head-to-head with West Virginia over the last few years with a couple different kids. So, um, you know, gone are the days of Iowa State kind of, fighting off max schools for some of these kids. Yeah. They're going head-to-head with some some conference foes and, and other Power Fives. Good point. Dylan, a couple of weeks ago, we saw the announcement three former walk-ons were going to be on scholarship for this year. Braxton Lewis and, and Ken's been beating that drum for a long time, and he got his scholarship, Colin Olson and Amici Walker. You know, the walk-ons, though, we see this happen from time to time, but I think it goes to show you the investment that this program continues to make on that walk-on program, and everybody has walk-ons, but it's just more important to other people. Have you had a chance ever to talk about, to Matt Campbell about that, about his walk-on program and its importance inside the program? Yeah, absolutely, and it is a thing that he's talked about really since um, you know the, the first few days that he was was on campus is how important it is to get guys in that can kind of um, contribute, whether whether that's on offense or defense, you know, is, is another story. But those guys are so valuable on special teams and can provide a little bit of a lift. And um, you've seen it over um, the last couple of years, especially some guys have turned down even um, FCS offers to come and walk on. And, um, you know, whether they they see scholarships in their future is probably a ways away and not something that they're they're totally focused on when they come here. They just want an opportunity to go play at a a higher level. And, um, you know, they – with the preferred walk-ons, they recruit. Iowa State recruits them just like they would any other scholarship player, and and can kind of sell maybe what um, how they fit in there. And I, like I said, special teams is kind of an introductory place to do that. Mm-hmm. That's what Braxton Lewis did. That's what Michi Walker's done. Um, Colin Olson has really kind of stepped in and, and you know on a, a key spot in the offensive line and really done well. So it, it is something they take really seriously and focus on a lot and. Um, you know, the, providing again that depth um, is, is so huge when you're, you're talking about um, a sport like football. Well, let me build on that a little bit, Dylan. Dylan Mons from the Ames Tribune with Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, fourteen sixty KXNO. Uh, give me, give me a guy on both sides of the ball, pursuant to that last answer and question uh, that we just heard. Uh, that that maybe is poised to take that next big step that, you know, maybe didn't play a ton as a freshman, saw some special teams as a sophomore, or it's just taken him a little bit longer. Give me a guy on both sides of the ball, not necessarily a breakout, and, you know, we won't hold you to this. It's not even June for crying out loud, but, you know, in the back of your mind, an offensive player, a defensive player that are about to, 
you know, maybe maybe play a much more prominent role uh, with the Cyclones team in 2019. Yeah, I'll, I, I went through a lot of names there in my head, just uh, some guys that have played a lot, some a little. But one name that I thought for the offense is Jalen Martin, a wide receiver. Um, he's 6'3", and, and built, uh, I don't know what he is, maybe 210 pounds. 215, but he's been a guy that's been talked about a lot the last few springs, and um, his name's been mentioned at the beginning of the fall, um, you know, each of the last couple of years as well, but just hasn't been able to crack that line up. And, um, you know, it, it might be an uphill road again um, if they get, if I would think it's Wilson and then Petway's in there, and then you talk about the other guys that I've mentioned. But I, I think, um, you know, he's certainly as close to, to getting out there as he's ever been, and a, a guy I know they feel pretty good about, too. Um, at least in the past, and what he's been able to give uh, early on. So I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of takes a step. Okay. And then um, if you talk about the the defense, I think um, you know he's a, he's a guy that's played a lot, um, but not necessarily as as prominent as a, as a Mike Rose or Marcel Spears, but Orion Vance mm. um, in the linebacking core. I think um, you know what he's able to do. Uh, in the middle, and if they switch up defenses this year a little bit and, and provide some different wrinkles, um, you know, he can be kind of uh, a really big athlete in the middle um, that they can go through and, and take place. So there's a couple of guys, and I'm sure as we kind of get later in the summer and closer to the fall, there will be several more that kind of pop up, but those are, are two that I thought of right away. Getting closer and closer to that important uh, recruiting time. Players going to be coming in, a lot of high school, soon-to-be seniors, and, and getting a look at Iowa State football camps. One of the commitments, though, for the 2020 class, a kid from up in Minnesota that plays at Minnehaha Academy, Craig McDonald, ruled ineligible for high school football this year. I saw that year. story, yeah. Dylan, have, have you been able to see anything about this, take a look at it at all, something to do with just how much football he has played at this time, if, if I read it correctly? Have you heard anything about McDonald? Yeah, uh, not a ton. I, I saw the statement he put out on Twitter, and it, it, it did sound like it has, has to do mm-hmm. with um, moving to a different school and reclassifying, you know, a different year and playing an extra year. So uh, I think he's kind of in the in the middle of the process of, of trying to figure this out. And um, everybody knows, kind of, once you get into the eligibility, you know, it can kind of drag on. You know, mm-hmm. Kansas basketball players have had it recently, and you, know, you can point to a number of guys. But yeah, unfortunate for the for Craig McDonald if if he can't go this year, but. Um, yeah, it's you know the the nuances, the intricacies, and the nuances of of trying to navigate um, eligibility is is so crazy. So uh, yeah, it'll I haven't heard much, but it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, no doubt. Yeah, that was on his Twitter feed, right? Maybe that's where I saw it as well. Was there a yeah. story written? Star um, Tribune has an article. Do about they? It. Yeah, okay. I'll send it to you. Yeah, and I haven't um, had a chance to read through that yet, but I, I did see it on his Twitter account first. So um, yeah. It, tough break for the kid if he can't go so i wonder what he would do i mean would the his school allow him to even practice i think so i think there's talk though maybe prep school going out to northeast has a ton of prep schools as you know you know something like that where he would be eligible to play play football this year but boy minnesota kid that's that's got to be a tough decision you'd have to yeah indeed dylan last thing uh basketball wise lindell wigington made it official he's staying in we knew horton tucker was always he's going to be a first round pick by most mocks that i read there's no way he's coming back cam lard uh has said as much that uh he's seen the last of Ames. uh but lindell wigington uh, whether he's drafted or not is going to stay in the draft it doesn't seem likely he's going to hear his name called um but really no surprise right it just seemed like prom was 
recruiting to that spot uh, ever since the uh, ever since uh, Wigginton made it be known that he's going to enter the draft at least the process. Yeah, he had planted seeds kind of even throughout his collegiate career that he he wanted to get to the NBA or or I should say pro basketball as soon as possible. And um, you know, it did seem like this this last jump when he wanted to go test the waters was going to be be the time that he actually went. So. Uh, yeah, not, not a surprise, um, and Steve Prohm and the staff have, have probably known that too because, um, you know, the, the timeline is so tricky where you got to recruit those spots even though they, they could come back. But I think um, in, in the meetings they had, he, he made it pretty clear that he wanted to pursue this, whether it was going to be as an NBA draftee or having to kind of climb uphill a little bit through the G League or, or potentially playing overseas. So it, it'll be interesting to see where he winds up, but um, – yeah, it's, it's, they're kind of moving on to another new era uh, in basketball for sure. And as we talked about with uh, the Juco Wilson for football-wise, I guess Prohm's got a kid that's on the cusp of making an announcement to transfer from Penn State who's going to seek immediate eligibility. Now, that's got to go through the NCAA, but uh, Bolton is his last name, and he's a, he's a guard, and Iowa State could clearly use him, and it's down to Colorado State, Cincinnati, and Iowa State uh, for his services, and that will come to a head this week. Yeah, he's from Penn State, so he has high major experience. Um, you know, and there, there's certainly a need at Iowa State right now. They're kind of trying to find the next new crop of guys. And Cincinnati obviously had their coaching change, and, and Colorado State is um, in, in the post uh, Larry Eustacey years with Nico Medved. So, um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see where he winds up. But uh, like I said, there's certainly opportunity uh, if, at Iowa State for him. Good stuff, Dylan Mons. We will uh, talk to you next week. Thank you, Dylan. Thanks, guys. Take care. Yeah, good to talk to Dylan Mons, Ames Tribune, AmesTrib.com. For Dylan, uh, for Travis Hines, the entire paper over there, AmesTrib.com. So a couple of decisions, a football decision and a basketball decision uh, to come uh, by the middle of this week. That's good. Content. Get us to June. Yeah, you're right. Get us through June. Get get us through June, yes. That's the important one. You got uh, any time off in June? I gotta go to Chicago. Yes, I think I have a gotta Vegas go. trip. Yeah, I have to go off to the office for a couple of days. All right, at some point. How about you? I'm trying to figure out. They they call it a baby moon, like a honeymoon, but before the baby is. Well, I thought born. you were going to Chicago for that around Big Ten media. Well, days. ran into a snafu. Found oh. out over the weekend. That's the week that my niece, who always stays with us for a week, is scheduled to be here. It's also vacation Bible school. So a little wrench thrown into that ah. one. And my wife, she had to fly for work a couple weeks ago. Did not go well. Yeah, where she was in California, yeah, right? Yeah, so because of that, maybe, I think about maybe get a hotel over in Galena, drive over there. Yeah, it's nice. Galena's yeah. nice. Spent, I spent uh, a day there, I think, a few Drivable trip, just me it and her is. before the baby gets here and before she gets... Too uncomfortable. Yeah, no, you're probably the right move. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Cappy's going to join us. So is Zubin. Appreciate you being here. If you missed any portion of the program, you can always listen to the podcast, kxno.com. Next local programming is at 2, Murph and Andy. And then at 4, the Fanatics. And then we'll do it all again on a Wednesday, and we'll start that with the Morning Rush at 6. Miller and Condon, thanks for being here. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.